It's philosophy talk. I know this may sound like a stupid question, but humor me. Precisely what is it about death that so frightens you? William Shakespeare called death the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. The poet John Donne said that death comes equally to us all and makes us all equal when it comes. Should we fear death or be resigned to it? or embrace it as a normal part of life. Thinking about that is something that we can do that will absolutely enliven our, our, the way that we live. Our guest is noted psychiatrist and novelist, Irv Yalom. Facing death is something that will awaken us to perhaps a different way uh, to, to live. Recorded before a live audience at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco. The terror of death and how to overcome it. Sooner or later, we'll have to deal with, with oblivion. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, we've taken Philosophy Talk just down the road. We're recording the program in front of a live audience at the Marsh, San Francisco's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking originated at Philosopher's Corner on the lovely Stanford campus. And we're very pleased to meet in person some of our listeners right here in San Francisco. Folks, welcome to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today is the terror of death and how to overcome it. Well, you know, Ken, uh, death is an engrossing topic for philosophers, and everybody should be interested in it. But I have to take issue with the way you set up the topic. Take issue? How could you take issue with a, with, with a simple title that I just gave? Your title builds in three assumptions, all of which are dubious. And what would those three dubious assumptions be, John? That death is terror-inducing that being terrified or afraid of death is a bad thing, and that overcoming the fear of death would be a good thing. Well, those are three assumptions. I think they're good assumptions. Which ones do you take issue with? Well, let's start with the assumption that death is terror-inducing. Most people don't walk around seized by the terror of death. Sure, soldiers at war, people who have fallen gravely ill, people whose aged bodies have begun to fail them, Maybe they're gripped by some Kierkegaardian fear and trembling and sickness unto death. But most of us, even a lot of us that are old and falling apart, are calm and serene in the face of death, like me. (laughs) John, you're missing the point. I mean, I don't mean to suggest that folks walk around all the time screaming in horror at the very idea that they're going to die someday. I mean, for most of us, on a daily basis, the terror of death manifests itself as something more like a low-grade but persistent anxiety, a kind of background hum. You know, we mostly do manage to keep that, keep, not focus on that, but it's always there. It's always in the background of our consciousness, shaping every aspect of our lives. That's what I think. Now, it's true that sometimes uh, events beyond our control can force this anxiety into the foreground of our thinking and our, and our awareness. And then that low-grade anxiety does become an intense screaming horror. But what you're basically saying is it's not terror you're talking about, but some kind of a moderate form of terror, fear, anxiety about something that is going to happen. It seems like a perfectly rational thing. That's your second assumption. We should get rid of it. I mean, suppose some demon told you he was going to cut off your arms at some unknown date in the future. Wouldn't it be reasonable to worry about it? 
maybe it would be silly to go bonkers, but that's, I guess, what, not what you're talking about, to just kind of keep in mind that at some point this guy's going to come and cut off your arm. Seems perfectly reasonable. Why should you feel good about it? So, same with death. You have a right to be, quote, terrified. Well, but the, my point is if you allow yourself to become so terrified that you just sit there worrying about uh, losing your arm, say, in this case, instead of using the darn thing and enjoying it while you have it, that, that, would be, that would be silly. Well, it's the same thing with life. If the dread of death drives out your embrace of life, then you're wasting this precious and precarious gift. So my, my motto, don't waste time dreading death. Spend your time instead embracing life. Well, aren't you little Kenny Sunshine? <laughs> <laughs> but you're just in denial. That's the problem with your third assumption. Why, why is denial a better attitude towards mortality than the clear-eyed acknowledgement that the boundless nothingness of death awaits us all and that any moment the dark abyss may open beneath our feet? Yes, that's a depressing <laughs> thought, John. But look, I, I, don't, I grant the reality of death, and I don't at all mean to recommend denial as a strategy for coping with it, but it's got to be possible. It's got to be possible to simultaneously embrace life while acknowledging and facing up to the reality of death. Don't, don't you think? This upsets you. I, I think you need a therapist to help with this question. <laughs> And you know, fortunately, we've got one of the world's leading therapists, an existential psychotherapist, Irvin Yalom, to help lead us through the thicket of issues that surround the topic of death. Excellent. So here's the plan. We'll begin our conversation with Irv by exploring the different ways in which the terror of death manifests itself in human life and human behavior. Then we'll explore the range of different possible attitudes people adopt toward death, and we'll try to decide which of those attitudes are healthy and life-affirming. And finally, we'll close by drawing on Irv's therapeutic expertise for practical advice about how to achieve a healthy, life-affirming attitude towards death. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, talks to a man who deals with the death on a daily basis. She files this report. Working in end-of-life care is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing that we are every day given the, the opportunity and the privilege to reflect on these profound existential issues of life and of, and of death and these profound ideas. On the other hand, it's a curse because we're forced to think about it every single day. We can't escape it. William Lure is a licensed clinical social worker with Pathways Hospice. Over the past 20 years, he's helped thousands of people through the end of their lives. One uh, person that comes to mind was a woman that I worked with for well over a year, and she was unforgettable. She was about 56 years old and had lung cancer and had been a smoker for much of her adult life. She had lived all over the world and had traveled a lot and had been a dancer and an artist. So there she was in a little studio apartment. And uh, I think she had a hard time imagining how she was going to die there and feared dying alone. So she, we talked a lot about her spiritual beliefs and her philosophy and, and about her family and her relationships, which were many times very contentious. And I think that as much fretting as she did over how her end of life would be, she had what I would consider the almost perfect passing f for her. Within the last hour of her life, she opened her eyes and looked around the room and saw her sons and her friends, and she, she was able to 
to mouth I love you to all of them and they said it back and she died peacefully there surrounded by her friends. It was the most beautiful passing I could imagine and no one deserved a better passing as much as she did because she fought for it. I'm curious just um, from, from a practical point of view as to what you tell people. I mean if somebody says you know I'm not ready and I don't want to die and they are going to die. I mean, what can you possibly say to make them feel better? Well, in my experience, when, when I talk to people about their fear of dying, most of them, when you press them on the issue, they'll admit that they're not really afraid of dying. They're afraid of, of suffering or afraid of that loss of independence. And that's something that we can talk about. I don't know. I, I'm in my 20s, and I'm less afraid of what leads up to dying than of the abyss, you know, the nothingness, the end of it all, and the idea that I might not exist anymore. Do you think that that's just a symptom of, of not actually being that close to death? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> no, I think that many people who are close to death have those same fears, and, and I have to admit that those that have some spiritual beliefs or existential uh, thoughts around the issue, uh, at least if they have grappled with the issue, I think um, oftentimes helps, although not always. I see people who are profoundly spiritual and religious who fear death more than most. Lure says his work gives him a lot of opportunities to think about mortality, including his own. I think one of the most memorable days of my time working in end-of-life care was on September 11th of 2001, and I was really struck by watching the, the people jumping out of the Twin Towers, and, and I, I kept thinking, what an awful way to go. Here they were faced with the choice of either burning up on one side or taking an 80-story jump on the other, and, and you know. And later that day, I went to, I was out seeing our patients in their homes, and it was such a contrast to see the good death that I saw our patients experiencing, being at home, surrounded by their family, and in comfort, and having a fairly good quality of life, and I kept thinking, well, I hope when my time comes that this is the way I go, because watching the, the horror, I can't imagine a worse death than the, that faced by those people who jumped out of the tower, and so it was a profound uh, lesson for me about, about what a good death really is. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.